0: Welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we have a book club episode. So the book that we just read was All My Rage by Saba Tahir. To give you a wee bit of background about um, Saba Tahir, she has this book, but she also has her series Ember in the Ashes. Ember in the Ashes is more so kind of like a dystopian type book, like a little bit of fantasy, whereas this book is, I would say, very different from that. I feel like this one's a little bit more about, like, growing up and, like, being a teenager. Yes? <laughs> Lian is nodding her head yes. I feel like that's a pretty uh general description of it. But yeah. So I picked out this book. This is Kaylee, by the way, in case you couldn't tell by my voice. But I picked out this book because I have read Her Ember in the Ashes series. And generally speaking, I really liked it until it got to the end, in which case I felt like it kind of fell apart at the very end of the last book. But I think that she's a very, very talented writer. And so I wanted to give her new book a shot. So that's kind of why we read this book.
1: Also, because it's July. It's your pick. So whatever you wanted to read, we would read.
0: Yeah. And I debated having us read Ember in the Ashes for this series here. But I was like, you know what? No, she has this new book out. And it's a standalone book. I was like, I think that we should read this book because it'll be pretty different from her other series and I was like I want to see how she does with it
1: so basically when we tell you a little bit about the author I pretty much just go to the author's website so it didn't have too too much but I feel like the fun fact from it was that she grew up in her family's motel like that's where they lived and I think that is kind of interesting and it's interesting because that's what happens with one of the characters in this book
0: Yes. So I remember reading like a brief summary synopsis of this book and I was like, oh, I wonder how much of this is going to be like incorporated into her personal life or like how much of her personal life is going to be incorporated into this book, I should say. Because I was like, you know, if she grew up like kind of in a hotel, I think she said that she grew up kind of in the middle of the desert, which it sounds like this, it sounds like the setting was pretty similar in this book. So I was like, oh, I wonder how much of these are like personal life experiences that she's had compared to our characters
1: yeah so like always we're going to start off with a little bit of a brief summary and like always there's going to be spoilers I think more so in this summary there are going to be some like spoilers that could affect your read so if you don't want to know what happens read the book and come back
0: yeah or you can like skip over the next five minutes and then you'll probably miss our summary and I mean, we might touch on some of these other points later in the episode, but at least then you will have missed the summary.
1: Yeah, so this is another one of those books that has multiple narrators, which I feel like we've read a lot of. And so the three narrators are Sal, which is, then we have Nor, and then the other one is Mispa, who is Sal's mom. But those start as flashbacks, like way back in the day when... Like, before she even had Sal. And um, it goes from way back then up to the present day.
0: Mm -hmm. So, to give you just, like, a brief overview, Noor and Sal, they were good friends until, essentially, like, Noor made a move on Sal. And then he, like, freaked out about it and was like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I like you this way, etc. And so they had a period of time where they just didn't talk because... If you feel as though there are unreciprocated feelings, it can definitely be an awkward time to maneuver through that friendship. Especially teenagers. Oh, especially teenagers. Oh, my gosh. The amount of teenage romances I have seen, like, torn to shreds when I'm a teacher. Oh, my. Too many. Too many. Anyways, they essentially don't talk to each other for, like, a while. And uh, then Mizbah, who's Sal's mom, becomes sick and passes away. So... Noor was kind of the last one to really like be with her before she passed away. And like Noor and Mizbah have like a really good relationship where Mizbah's kind of like a mother figure to Noor because Noor was raised by her uncle. So that's kind of that whole relationship there. That's why after Mizbah passes away, Noor kind of like decides, okay, I'm just going to get over this thing I had for Sal because he kind of needs me right now and I'm just going to... I'm just going to make sure that I'm there for him. And
1: I think this will tie in later, but I think one of the big things is how Misba's last words are forgive. But then the way it is, she kind of dies mid-sentence. So Noor doesn't quite know what she means by that. And that'll connect up way later at the end of the book. So Sal and Noor become friends again but sal is all like i need to save my family's motel and what does a teenager automatically think is the best solution apparently becoming a drug dealer
0: i feel like this is just one of those things that is so outlandish i was just like what (laughs) he was like it would disappoint my mother so much if we lost the motel so therefore she would be much more proud of me if i saved the motel and became a drug dealer and i was like no (laughs) And I feel like
1: we're not laughing at the drugs or the drug dealing. It's just when you read this book, it just seems so out of character for this line of thought that it's almost
0: like you just don't understand why or how he got there. But we'll talk a little bit more on Sal's character and why we think that was a little bit strange for him to do in a bit. So essentially what happens after Sal becomes a drug dealer is eventually he gets caught and... Nora is set up to take the fall for him, but he doesn't want her to take the fall. And so he is like, no, it was all me. She had absolutely nothing to do with it because she had no idea that he was even dealing drugs. And so he gets sent away to prison for a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty much, I feel like, the general theme of this book. And since it's been five minutes, now I think we can just hop right into talking about the rest of the things. Unless you had anything else you wanted to add to the summary.
1: Not really. Just There's also a little side plot line of her uncle being abusive, which may be brought up later.
0: But yeah, so that's the general plot line. So one of the things that I thought was so interesting, which when you were talking about it in our summary, I was like, oh my gosh, I really want to swing back to this and touch on it, is the fact that Mizbah died mid-sentence. I feel like that is such a dramatic way to end things because then it's like you keep your reader on their toes where they're like, well, what did she mean by that? And then you've got them puzzling over the whole book to try to figure out, well, what did she mean forgive? And then the thing is, when I was reading this book, you don't even realize what it was until the end. And then you're mad at yourself because you're like, I thought it was something else.
1: OK, I was going to ask because Usually I'm kind of oblivious to this type of thing and I think other people may pick it up. But I was going to ask is, did you know what she was actually referring to? Because the whole time I thought it was the whole like, to be forgiving of people, like make friends with Saul. And then they drop like, at the end, I kind of forget how they figure out. But the end is Mizba asking Noor to forgive her because she knew that the uncle was abusing Nor, And she didn't do anything.
0: So... I was also very oblivious to this. I thought that she meant like generally speaking to forgive people, not specifically Saul. I thought it was just generally forgive people because you know how Noor has like a little bit of a temper. So like I thought that it was more so about like forgiving people, even though they don't necessarily deserve that forgiveness. And so that's kind of what I thought it was, because for example, Saul's mom was always trying to be there for Noor, even after that fight happened with Saul. And she would always be like, oh, like how are you doing? Like, when are you coming around? Like, trying to be a good sort of mother figure to her. And so it just reminded me of like, that is kind of how Mizbah liked to treat people. It seemed like in this book, where she was just like, it doesn't matter like what's happened, like, I will always be there for you. And so I thought that she was kind of trying to tell Noor that like, you know, maybe you should change your I I wouldn't even say like change your ways because a lot of the times when she was angry, it was like, okay, yeah, like there was definitely a reason why she was angry because it was, she was wronged. But it almost kind of made me think about like, maybe she was telling her to forgive other people, even though they don't necessarily deserve it.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely seemed more like just a general type of thing. So I'd be interested with what other people who read this book if they picked up on it because again I feel like I'm not generally a good measure of that because I feel like I get so absorbed in books in the present moment I don't necessarily think about these other things but I think it's interesting because you also didn't pick up on it until the end so I think that could be uh, more of a point to the author's writing talent and not just my own obliviousness if that's a word
0: and that being said, I do feel like Saba Tahir is a really great writer. Like, I think that in terms of writing, she's really great. I think that she just has, like, in terms of, like, her way with words, fantastic. I think that there are just sometimes these little plot things that I'm just, like, they just strike me as odd or, like, they don't fit. I feel like that's a good transition, to Talking about the drug dealing. Is that what you were going to say? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, because, like, for example, Saul, right? We see him as, like, a very moral character. But, like, what's it called? Like, you know that one chart that, like, floats around on the internet that's, like, chaotic good, chaotic evil, lawful good, lawful evil? Or is that, like, too nerdy a reference for you? Is that some sort of psych thing? I don't know if it's a sort of psych thing. I thought it was originally, like, from a video game, but I could be totally off base here. But... He strikes me as kind of like a lawful evil or lawful neutral because like he kind of follows his own set of moral rules where he goes by what he thinks is right. But so like I look at that and I'm like, I feel like even though he kind of follows his own set of rules, I feel like being a drug dealer was still a bit of a stretch. Like, you know, I get like he skipped class, which, yeah, I mean, that's pretty bad. But like you go from skipping class to drug dealer. I think my problem and
1: I don't know too much about this, but I feel like from reading it it just seemed kind of like a stretch for him to go from someone who's not even using them at all to all of a sudden selling hard drugs. Like he's I understand that selling all drugs is bad because you know, illegal, don't want to get arrested. Um, but he goes like hard – I don't remember exactly what he's selling, but he sells some pretty serious stuff and it seems like he – uh, what's it? Like it escalated very, very quickly.
0: Yeah, I feel like if there was maybe a little bit more time that happened throughout the book and then maybe like after a longer period of time he started selling those harder drugs, maybe I could see that a little bit more. Or maybe like, you know, he kept filling his mom's prescription and then eventually they were like, oh, wait, she's dead and you can't fill that anymore. And then he was like, well, shoot, I need money, so I'm going to sell these other drugs, maybe then. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there was a moment in the book where it explicitly said, like, and there is no longer his mom, so he's unable to fill this prescription for her and unable to sell it.
1: I swear, it went from him selling his mom's leftover pills and like, Adderall to, like, I don't know, heroin or something? And – Again, I do not endorse selling drugs at all, even Adderall. Don't sell your Adderall. But like it just seems like a wild leap for that to happen so fast, which I don't know. Maybe when you get sucked into things like this, it does. I don't have like the social work background or like the drug addiction background to know about this, so maybe it's not as wild as I think it
0: is. It just I don't know. But no, like I agree with you. Like I'm not really somebody who Knows much about that world at all. But like, it did seem like it happened kind of quick. You know, if he went from like selling prescription pills to selling alcohol to underage kids, maybe I could see that. Because like, yes, it is still a drug. However, it's a little bit easier to get a hold of. I just feel like it was a little bit too drastic, too quick, kind of like what you were saying. And I just think that. And I don't know, maybe part of it was because like he was in such a dire financial situation. He was like, my dad is drunk all the time and I cannot count on him to provide for any of the bills. But like, I would think, you know, maybe you wouldn't do that. I don't know. Just my two cents. I understand, too, like the whole,
1: oh, a teenager goes through upheaval, so they're going to do some drastic things. But in my head, they would be kind of like what you were mentioning earlier, like say, skip class or like he did when he f- pulled the fire alarm. And those seem kind of drastic. I'm like, why would somebody do that? That's not rational. But then you're like, oh, he just lost his mom. Those make sense to me. But it's like you were saying is like, yeah, maybe the mother would be disappointed to lose a motel. But A, before she passed away, she knew the condition. She knew what was going on. And B, like you said, what mother would rather have their son become a drug dealer than lose a motel?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think personally for him, it was probably a little bit of like, oh my gosh, there are so many changes happening in my life. I need some semblance of control. So I think that that maybe was part of what played into that decision. But I don't know. It was still a little bit hard for me to like cope with that as a reader. And I don't know if like the author did that intentionally because she was like, she wanted you to, you know, kind of want to see the good side of Sal rather than the bad. So I wonder if it was like a little bit of like, you know, author manipulation where she's like, oh, but I still want you to see him as a moral character and have you questioning why would he do this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder too if it's partly to challenge people's notions of who are drug dealers and the fact that like sometimes people's situations and like things snowball. I just think we need a little more explanation behind the why to get there.
0: Yeah, I mean, like there was a why, but I think that and it was a pretty strong why. I'm not gonna lie, but like maybe it could have like gone into more detail about like these were the limited opportunities in his town, and like none of these opportunities would pay the bills. Because I know like for a while he tried working at like what was it like a smoothie place? Yeah, or like a burger place. I don't know some place that teenagers work. Yeah, he tried working at like a typical teenage job, and it just wasn't happening. Also, did you catch that Nora was? um being abused by her uncle because I totally did not catch that until they were like really in your face about it. And even then when they first brought it up, I was like, no, she's fine. And then later on it was like, actually, she's not fine. And I was like, oh, dang. Here I thought that these were just adults overreacting and that was not the case.
1: Yeah, I think that was kind of dropped from nowhere, I think. The only thing that could slightly relate to it that I didn't connect until after we knew was the fact that she walks around with a set of clothes in her backpack.
0: Yeah, and I didn't even catch that at
1: first at all. No, I didn't connect the dots until after, like, the uncle beat the crap out of her. And then I was like, oh. And also, I think they spelled it out in the book because I think Saul was like, oh, that's why she walks around with clothes in her backpack.
0: Yeah, and I think like some of these things were kind of spoon-fed to you at the end. Like the whole thing about Mizba definitely was like spoon-fed to the readers at the end. Same thing with like the clothes, like, oh, that was definitely uh made a little bit more emphasized because, you know, this is a young adult novel. So they probably wanted to like drive this point home. One of the things that I did pick up on though was she seemed to have like a sort of trauma response, right? When like whenever her uncle would get mad at her she would like go immediately into thinking about like he rescued you when all the rest of your family was dead. Like he cares about you. And I think that that's just like a coping mechanism that a lot of people who undergo, like, I shouldn't even say a lot of people because, you know, I'm no social worker. So this is just, you know, speaking my thoughts, not necessarily fact, but I would think that like people who are in situations where they're abused I would think that they probably are, they find it difficult to leave because, you know, they kind of talk themselves like into, oh, maybe this is normal. Maybe this is something that's not actually that bad. Maybe this is like, look at all of these good things this person has done to me or done for me. So that was the only thing that I picked up that was weird.
1: I was thinking that there was something off about that. I thought it was more related to the fact that he rescued her from the earthquake. And let's just say he wasn't the most like, paternal figure he could have been so i thought it was more of a like i don't know just kind of like he was kind of like a crappy caregiver and when he would get mad she'd be like oh i need to be grateful for you because you saved me you could have left me in the village i didn't necessarily connect
0: that it was because of abuse i don't know because that did send off like some red flags for me like even though it was like just like a i should be grateful that i'm here like it's it still sent off some red flags. So I don't know. I thought that that was like an interesting like foreshadowing bit that the author kind of threw in there. Overall, let's talk about like overall impressions of this book. What was your overall impression? I think my first
1: reaction was that it is probably the best YA book that we've read for the podcast by far, because I don't know. I thought like Our Violent Delights. I can't even remember what it's exactly called. These Violent Delights? Yeah. Like, I liked it more than you did, but I don't think it was, like, my favorite book ever. It felt very YAE. y Whereas this one, I feel like there are some, you know, things that we obviously had problems with. But I think writing-wise, it was definitely the best one. I feel like we read another one, but I can't remember what it was. We read Made in Korea,
0: too. Oh, yeah, no, clearly better than that. I would agree. I think that this one brought up a lot of sensitive issues. And I think that just generally, I think her writing style, I just, I appreciate it. I think that there is still like some issues with the plot that, you know, kind of are hard for me to grapple with. But I think that generally speaking, she's a very talented writer. And I'm really excited to see how she continues along like her writing journey and if she re- if she writes books again in the future, I will definitely read them.
1: I think it's like you said, too, is this could be the nature of YA books. I do think that some things were spelled out very, very, very obviously and it mostly at the end. Like, for example, Jamie, who's like rude to Noor the whole time and is all like, I'm better than you. At the end, she goes into kind of a racist tirade and... I think maybe that's because in YA books you want to make it clear, like, this person was a racist character. Then she says bad things and she gets her college admissions revoked or whatever. But I think the majority of people – or not the majority. I think people who can be racist or anything-ist, I think a lot of them can be Jamie pre-tirade and they never do the tirade.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I think that a lot of racism is not necessarily always, like – a tirade against a certain person or a certain race. I think there are definitely a lot of microaggressions that happen. And there are definitely a lot of like smaller comments that are still equally as hurtful.
1: And I think you can kind of see in the book too where when those happen, at least in this specific story, no one did anything. It wasn't until Jamie just like completely blew up that anyone did anything.
0: Yeah. And I think that that also tracks back to like, there needs to be some sort of accountability for what you say and what you do. Yeah.
1: I think, I feel like it's being like in the book or in society or whatever. Sometimes it's the threshold that has to be reached for someone to take action seems higher than it should be.
0: It really does. Like, I think that that's a societal thing that we need to work on is like, even those small comments, like you should still be you should still be pointing that out to people when they're saying things like that so that they know like that's not an appropriate thing to say. Because if you don't call them out on that, they'll think that, oh, they think it's okay that I say this, I can keep saying this. And it's not really okay for you to say those things.
1: Yeah. And I think you can kind of see that because when Jamie did her whole thing. She had this, I don't know what his actual name is, so I'm just going to call him his, her sidekick, who she thought was with him the whole way. And then she, like, looks to see it, like, where he is, and he's gone. But, like, he never actually said anything to her at all, any of the times. And I think that's what people need to do.
0: Yeah, because you should really be speaking up. And I know that it's really hard. Well, I shouldn't even say really hard. I know that it's harder to say something if you're the only one in a group of people who are like that. I understand that, but like you should be saying something. And I think what's interesting to think
1: about with the like in the context of the book too is to think back to our teenage selves. Because I think us now would probably be like, oh, well, not probably. We are saying like, you should say something. No excuses. Like, go do it. But I think teenagers. Even if they can sense
0: something's wrong, they don't necessarily want to stick their, like, themselves out. Yeah, because it's, I think it's hard to say that, like, when you're a teenager, too, because it's, like, a lot of the issues that you face as a teenager are issues of wanting to feel like you belong. And if those are the people that you surround yourself with, then it's, like, even if you disagree, the only way that you could feel like you, quote, unquote, belong with that group is to not say anything. Which is still not right. Like, you still should be saying something because it's it's just not right for people to be saying that sort of thing. And, you know, you could say that about things like racism. You could also say that about, like, homophobia. You know what I mean? Like, if you hear something, say something.
1: Yeah, I think it applies to any one of the
0: isms. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: But I think if you look at the book, it, it may be an accurate representation of what life is like for people because I think a good number of times that this happened, people don't. And I think part of the thing was the demographics of the town that they lived in because they were talking about how when Norm moved there, how she didn't speak English and like the only person that would be her friend was Saul. Mm-hmm. And that's like goes to the whole like being different thing.
0: Definitely. But yeah, I don't know. I Like I said, I just feel like this book touched on a lot of like sensitive and good issues. Okay, I do want to pick your brain on another thing, though. Did you, as soon as Saul sold to Art's cousin, what was her name? I feel like it was Courtney, but I don't think it was Courtney.
1: Oh, wait, I have my notes. Ashley? Oh, yeah, it was Ashley.
0: So as soon as Saul sold to Ashley, I was like, oh, that is for sure going to come back to bite him. I was like, Art is not going to be happy. This girl is going to get herself in some sort of drug-related issue. And of course, it happened. I was like, oh, I knew it.
1: Yeah, it wasn't great. And I really thought that that would be a line that Saul wouldn't cross.
0: But he did. So... Same. I was like, that I think was kind of something that threw that whole... uh That whole drug dealer thing into like, again, more of like a, are you really sure that he would do this perspective? And I think that the reason why he thought it was okay is because Art was selling to Ashley. And so I think he was like, oh, Art sells to Ashley. So it's okay if I sell to Ashley because like, if Art does it, he's her cousin. Like he's related to her. Like, why would he, why would he do that if he didn't think she could handle it? Yeah, I think that was
1: definitely his line of thought. I just, I think it's like you said, I don't know, last week or something, it was off recording, but how he was in a home where his father was drunk a lot, and how you thought that he should realize that by selling to people, especially selling to Ashley, who he knew she had a kid, and how that's
0: enabling her to continue. Okay. while we're on the topic of that, another thing I wanted to touch on was I thought it was so interesting that Saul and Nora were like good friends, considering that Nora worked at the liquor store that his dad would go to sometimes to buy liquor. Because I'm like, I feel like just personally, even if that person was just working there because they had to, I feel like there would still be some sort of like residual resentment where I'd be like, you are enabling my family member to do this self destructive behavior.
1: Yeah, I wonder how much of it, or how much the fact that what they became friends in like first or second grade and they were like only each other's friends, and how much that history played into it. It's not like someone you just met in high school and then all of a sudden your ad's going to their liquor store. Like, I think it's like. I think this can relate to things even that aren't like drugs and alcohol, but like when people have a history, it seems like they're willing to put up with more things.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. Yeah. Especially because like for his dad going back to becoming or like using alcohol frequently, it seemed like that didn't happen until like two or three years after or like I shouldn't say after before that happened.
1: Yeah, so he used to use alcohol or abuse alcohol a lot. And then he stopped and he was like working, had a job, all of that. And I think he started again when Mispa got her diagnosis. Yeah, I think you're right. Also, the story behind when he started
0: drinking was so sad. Yeah. Okay, I have a question for you about that story. So the whole thing about Saul being found in the laundry room, right? Do you think it was just like the guy took him and roughed him up a little bit? Or did you think it was like sexual assault? Because I was wondering if it was maybe sexual assault because that's why he didn't like to be touched.
1: Wait, are we talking about the same story? Yes. I was talking about Saul's father whose parents were electrocuted and then he started drinking.
0: Oh, no, no, no. We were not talking about the same story. I was talking about like when Saul was a kid. Do you remember that whole storyline? Okay, so I know the
1: laundry scene when he was like a teenager and he like went in there and like couldn't do it. And then I remember the storyline, but I don't remember the specific one you're talking about. I do remember at the end when the doctor visited him in jail and then he's like, you know what? I don't need to know. Yes, I did put that one together. I don't know who it was, but I guess that he was sexually abused.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I was like, I think that he was, like, sexually assaulted. Because, you know, if you don't like people touching you, like, I don't know, I would think that, like, that would be, like, some sort of trauma that your body would remember.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, on a sliding scale, like, say some people, like, cuddles more than other people. But his was definitely, I feel like, a step beyond that. Like, he didn't even like people, like, brushing against him, it seemed.
0: Mm Mm-mm. No, he didn't. And so, I don't know. I think that it was interesting, too, that the doctor went to go and tell him after his mom passed away. It kind of made me wonder about, like, what are the confidentiality laws on that? And, like, would a doctor really go and do that? Because I feel like, I feel like, low-key, a doctor would not go and say something that many years later.
1: Wait, so back to your story. Who was the person that actually did this? Because I think I might have skimmed at some point and maybe missed this. It wasn't his father, was it? No, 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 no. It was
0: like some random hotel guest.
1: Okay, because I think I must have missed something at one point, and then they were dropping all these hints about some sort of sexual assault or sexual abuse happening, but I missed it, and so the only thing I'd think of was like, is it his father? That doesn't seem right. So I totally missed the whole, like, who it was part.
0: No, I'm pretty sure it was like some random hotel guest or motel guest who was like there for a period of time. So I don't think it was I don't think it was anybody he was related to.
1: Okay, that makes way more sense because when like you're saying it's like when the doctor's like digging this up so many years later or something. Oh, and there's a the whole thing about when Ms. Po's like, oh, maybe I should have let you keep on seeing a therapist. That makes more
0: sense now. Loki, I think that she probably should have. -hmm. Let him continue seeing a therapist. And I know that, like, they were having money issues, so maybe they couldn't afford to. But I think it would have been helpful, at least, like, even if not all the time, just to do, like, two to four times a year, just check in and be like, hey, like, how's it going? Because I think they had a therapist involved. I think it would be better because then they could see, you know, how is he progressing past this trauma?
1: And I think, as we always talk about, go see an actual professional. Because I think they, especially in children, who I feel like can't necessarily articulate things, Mm -hmm. I feel like that if he had seen the therapist, he might have been able to process it better. You never know, but I feel like it would at least give you a chance or give Saul a chance.
0: Yeah. And honestly, okay, this is just like a personal thing, but like I'm kind of surprised that after that happened that his parents continued to own the motel. Because I think that after that happened, I don't know, this is just me putting out my thoughts into the world. But I feel like if that had happened and that had been my kid, I would have been like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. I don't want my kid to be around strangers like this ever again. And I probably would have sold the motel and done something else that would not involve my kid being around strangers.
1: Yeah, I think it depends on... If you look at their family, like, what their resources are and, like, what the other thing would or could be because their area seemed pretty remote. So I don't know how well, say, the only other thing I could think of, is say, open a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how well that would work.
0: Yeah, that's true. I don't know. So that was kind of, I don't know. Did you have any other thoughts that you wanted to share? I just wanted to talk about,
1: because I thought it was, like, Kind of funny when Saul ended up getting Art to go into the uncle's office and steal Nor's college admissions letter. I don't really have that much to say on this other than the fact that I wanted to acknowledge that scene.
0: Oh, I loved that scene. I love that that was hilarious. Like, Art's like, well, I guess we'll do it. We've already been doing all these other illegal things together. So what's one more? <laughs> okay. But like,
1: I. I think part of this is maybe the difference between a ya book and a regular adult book i think a regular adult book might have ended with nor not getting in Mm -hmm. and i think because it's ya they're like oh look the lawyer called and they said they would make an exception and now she's going to ucla
0: yeah and i think that that's very like uh that's something that i noticed at the end of the other hear books is like she kind of likes to have a happy ending so I, I kind of knew that there was going to be that. But I do have to say, it kind of surprised me that she did throw Saul in jail in the end because of how I read her like other series, right? And in the in her other series, like there were all of these extra efforts to tie up any loose ends and make everybody happy. And I feel like one thing I appreciate that I feel like she's grown a little bit in this book is she was like, well... Guess what? Not everything is always happy. Saul is still in prison.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she kind of maybe is transitioning. Like one of them had a happy ending and one of them had like a more realistic ending. I'm not saying that UCLA wouldn't let her in. I have never worked in college admissions. It just seems like she was very beyond the deadline. And I think at a certain point, they fill their numbers. They fill their seats. Yeah, I could see that. But that's a small bone to pick. It's not that big of a deal. I just thought it was interesting, I guess, me just kind of thinking, like, how would a regular general audience adult book end this? And I feel like part of the difference of,
0: like, adult literature is that there's not always a happy ending. Or, like, I could also see it being more realistic if, like, she was deferred a year. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she was still allowed in, but, like, she would have to wait because they'd already filled their quota.
1: Yeah, or even just like a spring start if they do those. I think that would definitely make more sense if they're like, we'll give you a spot. We're full. But like next round, you can start. I think a school would definitely do that. I feel like, yeah.
0: Especially because like it wasn't her fault. Mm Hmm. I agree. I think that that would be a more like realistic, quote unquote, end to that. Well, thank you all for joining us for our book club. Our next book club is going to be Cloud Cuckoo Land by Anthony Dewar, and that will be dropping on August 1st. And we are going to have a guest on this episode. It's going to be Ruhika, and she's going to be joining us for this book club.
1: It'll be super exciting. I think we're all interested in reading this book. I know the two of us have read All the Light We Cannot See, so I'm interested in, I guess, reading this book and seeing what happens. Mm Mm-hmm. We hope you enjoyed our discussion on all no. On all the light we cannot see. <laughs> um, we hope you enjoyed our discussion on all my rage by Saba Tahir. We hope that you check this book out. We both enjoyed it and we'd love to hear your thoughts, so feel free to send us an email or DM us on Instagram. And don't forget to rate Zelanios Podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zelenialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while.
0: Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.